1: PUTT is a not-for-profit industry watchdog organization dedicated to exposing the truth about the shady, abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers and how they affect American patients, healthcare providers, and taxpayers. On the PUTTcast, we'll talk to pharmacy industry experts, influencers, and patients, always with the goal of bringing the truth, transparency, and solutions to America's prescription drug affordability crisis.
2: this is Monique Whitney. I am the Executive Director of Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, or PUT, as many of our members know us. I want to start by welcoming you to the very first episode of the PUT-cast. We're excited to be here on the Pharmacy Podcast Network, and it's an opportunity for us to share more about the work we do, to talk to fascinating guests, and to spread the message that we are most interested in which is the widespread fraud and abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers or pbms for those of you who are not familiar with put we are a nonprofit advocacy organization that was founded almost 10 years ago by independent pharmacy owners who had gotten tired of the practices that were happening and wanted to raise awareness and so here we are Almost a decade later, we have many hundreds of members, and our spread is across the United States, and we are very pleased to say that uh, we've moved from a time when people had no idea what a PBM was to PBMs being in the news all the time and every day. I am so excited about the panel that we have with us today. We've got an all-star group who are going to be talking with us about things that happened last year, but really some of the exciting things that have happened this year. We're just a few days into the new year and we'll be talking about those exciting events and then what we think 2020 is going to be about as far as PBMs and PBM reform go. So I'd like to start by introducing the panel and I'd like to start by first introducing Lauren Young. She is a second generation pharmacy owner and a PUT board member, Lauren.
3: Hi, Monique. Thanks for having me.
2: Hi. I'm so glad that you're here. And then I'd also like to introduce Steve Moore. He is a pharmacy owner. He is also the president of the Pharmacist Society for the State of New York. Uh, Steve, we're so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Monique. Thanks for being here. And then we have Scott Newman, an independent pharmacy owner, in Chesapeake Virginia Scott is extremely active in Virginia Scott is also Putts president Scott welcome
1: thank you this is exciting and fun and looking forward to it
2: yeah yeah we are too so so everybody now that we're here and we're assembled you know the idea here is to just have a casual conversation about what's been mm-hmm. happening so last year was a big year there was a lot of forward movement In PBM reform, we saw several state studies come out that exposed hundreds of millions in spread. We saw state governments start to perk up and take notice and take action. Uh, There were some exciting wins. There were some heartbreaking losses that barely crossed the finish line. And then we've had this year start off so i think what i would love to do is maybe steve start with you and talk a little bit about the the new york rally that happened the bill that was passed last year the pbm licensure bill and what happened with that and then the big exciting rally that happened this week in albany
4: yeah thank you monique so um our pbm licensure and registration bill uh senate bill 6531 uh, was kind of the, the culmination of a, a few years worth of, of work here in New York and, um, you know, we were incredibly excited for our legislator to pass that back in June. Um, it passed our assembly uh, unanimously, something like 113 to nothing, um, and it passed our Senate with just a, a few dissenting votes. So we were really excited that, um, you know, we kind of felt like we would finally kind of crested that hill. You know, we've done. I don't have to tell this group or, or most of the audience listening what a, you know, what difficult job it can be to kind of explain what exactly a PBM is and, and how they affect patients and and taxpayers. And you know, we we thought that that's finally happened here in New York. So, um, you know, unfortunately, you mentioned some some heartbreaking defeats at the end of the year, and uh, we were one of those defeats when Governor Cuomo vetoed our bill, um, you know, two days after Christmas. So all indications for six months had been that it was going to be signed and uh turns out that it, it wasn't so um we decided at that point that we, we weren't going to give up the fight and with uh support from hundreds of pharmacists throughout the state and our, our colleagues throughout the country um you know those of you on, on this call you know lauren and monique in particular uh were very supportive in, in kind of helping us to put together a rally on wednesday january 8th when we had a Uh, almost 200 pharmacists show up to the uh, governor's state of the state address. And so we're able to to occupy a space and to kind of, so we say, share our displeasure um, with the fact that that bill was vetoed and, uh, you know, not only did the governor notice, but New York noticed. And I think it's fair to say that we've appeared in in a few dozen stories at this point in time since Wednesday, Mm -hmm. and uh, the conversation has already started about the next steps to uh, make sure that our bill gets passed this session
2: which is really exciting. You know, We watched that from over in our different states. Uh, we were excited about that bill. We thought that that was some of the toughest legislation we'd ever seen. Uh, the way that it was passed through the House and the Senate so quickly, we thought for sure this was going to set an exciting precedent and that your governor could stand up and say that New York wasn't going to take it anymore. And then, of course, the veto happened, and that was horrible. <laughs> now here we are. Lauren, you were at the protest. What were your impressions? It was
3: so inspiring to see all of those pharmacists come together and unite for this cause. I know that on social media, a lot of times you see people wanting to support and they're unable to be there. And so having a chance to go and see how the New York pharmacists can really get people from across the state. I mean, I spoke to several pharmacists and I don't think anyone was from closer than an hour to an hour and a half away from Albany. So they really took the time to come out and make sure they were there from the very beginning of the rally and they stayed until the very last minute. And it was just awesome to see everybody work together and have this common goal that they've all been working for. I remember watching them last spring at their rally at the Capitol and wanting to emulate that in Illinois for our legislative day. So it was really awesome to get to see these pharmacists and take back ideas for any future rallies we do.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I find that New York, we're inspired by so many states and the different movements they make, and I find New York to be especially exciting. Uh, Steve, you guys did something really cool this year uh, you guys got together and you created something called the fixrx campaign and I know that you know, we all here know a little bit about it but I'd love for you to share with uh, with the listeners about fixrx and what that is and what's been happening as a result of that
4: yeah thank you Monique so the fixrx initiative was um, uh, largely born out of our you know a combined effort between Pisney and the New York City pharmacist Society um, in particular a couple of their past presidents and and former board members um, got together and decided that one of the things that that we had not done a good job of was public relations and PR. Um, So the FixRx initiative was was born out of the idea that we needed to not only be able to communicate a little bit more clearly to pharmacists, but also to uh, the public. Um, So uh, for anybody interested, fixrx.org. Is the uh, the group's website? Uh, they are affiliated with Pisney, the pharmacist Society of the state of New York. And you know, unfortunately, as we heard, our our work is not done. Um, but the FixRx group did a fantastic job in 2019 of uh, bringing PBM issues to the front and center of the, the healthcare debate here in New York. You know, I think the signage, the logos, um, the rallies, those type of things are not really the typical things that a pharmacist would maybe think to do in their in their day to day lives. So it was, uh, you know, it was a step out of our comfort zone, if you will, and it wasn't an easy list um, by any means. Those, uh, you know, the group that was involved, you know, they were there a couple times a week. They were talking on the phone and they were getting together, but I think it, it had a big effect on our agenda here in New York. And I think that it will, you know, pay dividends for us going forward and uh, hopefully it'll help, uh, like Lauren said, maybe inspire some similar movements throughout the, uh, throughout the country.
1: I was going to say, Steve, you guys have a really, really great pharmacy champion and James Scufus, Senator James Scufus of, uh, of your state. And I'm going to tell you what, listening to him talk to you guys at that rally was a very inspiring and, and, you know, just once it instills the desire to keep fighting. So you guys are real lucky. We, we love our pharmacy champions with, uh, that we engage with in putt. And he was a wonderful panelist that our, uh, uh, our uh, meeting this past summer
4: yeah senator skufus is an absolute absolute you know rock star for for pharmacy um he does a great job for for his district down in orange county and he does a great job for you know for pharmacy as well for the rest of us here in new york you know we're very fortunate in new york to have some great champions um you know whether that be somebody like assemblyman richard Godfrey and assemblyman kevin cahill Um, you know, Senator Neil Breslin, who was our Senate sponsor and Senator Gustavo Rivera, who, um, you know, they really, really, they understand, you know, not only how these PBM practices affect pharmacies, but they understand that they affect patients and they affect taxpayers and that this is a much bigger issue than, than just a pharmacy issue. Um, and we're really fortunate to have their support here in New York and we look forward to, to working with them to, to really finish this PBM thing in 20.
1: Absolutely. He's exciting.
2: And I'm happy to, uh, to uh, introduce the second person to our call. John Emrick has joined our call a little bit late. John is the formidable lobbyist for the Pharmacist Society in New York. John, welcome to
0: the call. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Glad to have you. Um, We were talking about the rally and about the veto of the PBM licensure bill in New York. And I was curious about your perspective on both and, you know, your thoughts and what you think about that.
0: Well, I think, you know, the, the rally was certainly, you know, very effective in terms of, you know, continuing the message. I think in New York, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's taken a little bit of an education period to let people know what a PBM is. Uh, it was uh, only insider information, if you will, before because of a complex, you know, pharmacy f- distribution system that we have set up not only in New York, but but in other parts of the country as well. And I think, you know, this was the first time uh, that Pisney has uh, kicked off a legislative session with this kind of activity. Uh, Lobbying and, and advocacy efforts in New York have shifted dramatically over the last couple of years, and the type of activity and, and rallying and, and protesting, if you will, that took place uh, on Wednesday of this week was was an important step forward, and I think you know set the tone for both legislators and, and the governor as they move forward uh, in this current session to consider you know this issue and so many others uh, as it relates to pharmacy.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And we're excited to see what's going to come out of that. It, the country really is watching New York and waiting to see what's going to happen with that. I think I think you're going to be a leader in this movement. And I think whatever New York ends up doing, we'll start to see that roll out across the rest of the country. So that's great. Thank you. We, were, we started this part of the conversation talking about those heartbreaking defeats. There's another kind of defeat that uh, is an interesting one, which is the kind of defeat where something really big that you've waited for for a long time, something that you know is supposed to be going to happen, it does, and it falls short. In this case, I'm talking about the, the Virginia state audit of the Medicaid program. And, Scott, you're in Virginia. You followed that. Can you tell us a little bit about how that went last year and what came out of it?
1: Sure. Um, the... Uh, Virginia delegates in uh, Senate uh, wrote in a, a, a law basically requiring the audit. Um, there was a lot of resistance from uh, the obviously the PBMs to report any of the data that they were looking for, and of course it was things that happened around you know the country, like in Ohio and West Virginia, that prompted them to want to get that information. Uh, we waited until they had to pass another law um, requiring the disclosure of it and uh we waited for two sessions basically and uh they dragged it once it was due to be released on the 31st of october of last year or the previous uh 2018 and um they decided that they wanted some more comprehensive information and of course they gave them 18 months worth of data that was supposed to be released on the 31st of 2019. And uh, they really delayed and dragged on. And uh, to much fanfare, we were expecting, you know, a report that was going to be comprehensive, um, 18 months worth of data. If it was a tenth of anything else that um, the other states had released, then, you know, we, we would, you know it would have been phenomenal uh what we get uh you know with all this fanfare we get a, a little three-page memo from the auditing company uh it looked like it was you know pretty whitewashed and um not as thorough and uh our spread ended up being 29 million based on 18 months of data which we all thought to ourselves that's not right there's something wrong with that well there's six, uh, six MCO PBMs in Virginia. And we later found out that the two of the MCOs reported spread pricing and four says, no, we don't do that. Well, we started to figure out oh, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. There's no mandate in Virginia for them not to do it. Why wouldn't they do it? They do it everywhere else. Well, we, uh, uh, uh and Christina was, uh, executive director for vpha was in a meeting after the, uh, the monday after the report was released and asked a question to uh the officials at uh, dmas and the question was how did you find out if they were uh, charging spread pricing or not and their response was well we asked them and they said they didn't so apparently four PVMs reported that they didn't use any spread pricing but we never thought to actually pry and look a little bit harder to actually find out if they were in fact doing it or not, so I don't know that we trust the the complete picture of the data too much to to reported it force said that they didn't and the response was basically we don't do that and that was all there was to it so it's an interesting you know dynamic going on right there twenty nine million is nothing to shake a stick at for sure i mean that that's a lot of money uh, and ultimately the 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 report that came out from from that uh Information was to test the viability of a carve out in Virginia, and ultimately they just concluded that it would cost about the same. And we all know, just based on what's happened in other states, that's just inaccurate. There's no way that that's possible.
2: Right, and we all know that if you ask a PBM a direct question like, "Are you charging spread pricing?" and they say, "No, we're not charging spread pricing," of course they're telling the truth. Why would they
1: lie? Of course they are. Uh, interestingly enough, the gentleman who had, uh, uh, who was in charge of the, uh, data collection with, uh, with the state, uh, quit his job and opened up uh, his own, um, auditing company, uh, uh, analysis company shortly after, um, the report or shortly before the report was released. So there's some interesting things going on there. I, I think there's probably, uh a lot of information out there that he he knows and can't really talk about but i'm sure that man has a story to tell
2: yeah i'm sure you're right thanks scott i appreciate that so lauren coming over to you you are in the midwest so you're in southern illinois and there's been some exciting movement in illinois going from quite literally zero less than zero to having real reform taking place there can you tell us a little bit about what's been happening
3: so we are very lucky to have our own pharmacy rock star here in Illinois, and he is my senator, Senator Andy Menar, and we have been working with him for the past two years to get pharmacy benefit manager legislation rolled out across the state. Last year, he was the main chief supporter and sponsor of the first ever PBM regulation bill that passed in the Illinois legislature, and then he was able to get an insulin copay cap during the veto session last November, and he has announced that he is going to be working towards removing PBMs from Illinois' Medicaid, state retiree health, and state group health plans. So we were very excited to hear that announcement from him and his commitment to work towards getting PBMs
2: out of Illinois. That's fantastic, Lauren. And and you're right, he's a rock star. So I don't know, has anyone else here uh, today ever met Andy Menar? He's really, uh, he got this very clear from another one of our, our board members also out there in Illinois with Lauren who uh, took the time to work with him Very straightforwardly very directly and educating him on what was happening and you know There's always that moment particularly for those of us who aren't pharmacists who don't work in this every day where? We realize it just it pops for us We get it like that is happening that everything that you've been talking about everything from being reimbursed below the the cost of a medication to being charged excessive fees to just even be a member of a PBM network when it finally Hits you and you get it. You're never the same, and that's exactly what happened with Andy Menard. So I think what, we're going to see some good things happening there, and, and we'll be following that in the legislative session. So, so that's great. Really good stuff from last year, and now of course we're at the beginning of this year, and we've already seen some exciting things happening. Florida, who went from having no PBM bill last year, has now gone to uh, having a Bill that has been introduced by two legislators, both of whom are women, who are now taking on the PBMs. There, we, uh, as we're recording this now, the Supreme Court is hearing uh, PCMA. I'm sorry, Rutledge versus PCMA, to determine if they're going to take up that case. So, really exciting things happening. And I'd be interested, from your perspective, what you think about 2020 and what you think are going to be the big things for this year. And I. I think I'd like to just start with you Scott and find out from you what do you see happening for this year.
1: Looking forward this year, I tell you there's a lot happening uh state by state. I I get bombarded every day with certain um you know, with information from different colleagues across the country. Um Florida is going gangbusters. I mean, they started just like New York did. Um, you know, they've got a good strong group down there and they've got two, uh, two legislative, um, pharmacy champions down there who happen to be awesome women legislators who've taken on the cause. And just like you had mentioned before, you know, when you start to go down this rabbit hole, if you don't immediately pull your head out, you get sucked in. And and it's good to see that happen. And, um, we just got a message today that, um, uh, Senate bill, uh, Senate bill 862 in Virginia is um, going to be going before committee on Monday. And this one is a pretty big bill. It's, you know, what we would deem a kitchen, everything in the kitchen sink type bill. Um, that happened very quickly. We weren't expecting it to be uh, put in front of the legislators that quickly. So everybody's kind of moving on that. That's good news because it's going to require them to register with the state corporation commission of course, Illinois and um, obviously Arkansas is going to carry a torch a little further this year. I know that uh, most of the things that are happening in the States right now, where there's been legislation passed that the PBMs are just flat out ignoring or not um, functionally trying to even attempt to follow the law or they find loopholes. So, you know, in Arkansas, you're probably going to see, um, you know, them trying to continue to close loopholes like they did last year around their legislation. Um, California is probably gonna have some things going on in their next session. Uh, it's always kind of interesting to see the large healthcare conglomerates out there um, who are very powerful and uh, see the, those groups organizing. So there's been a lot more engagement in our, in our profession, especially amongst independents. Uh, you know, that's that's probably one of the best forward-looking things that you can see because in the past, we've struggled to try to organize and show up and to see guys showing up and, and actually participating in the process. You know, hopefully it's not too late for most people, but, you know, getting involved is important. It's not, it's not okay anymore to, to just stand behind your counter and engage your customers. You, we've got to be present.
2: Yeah, and I think it's perfect you said that. Um, For everyone who's listening, if you've been hearing the little dings coming across, um, I I don't know about you all, my phone is blowing up. It looks as though PCMA versus Rutledge. um, The Supreme Court's going to take it up. So we can expect some excitement on that. So yeah, it is. Um, Steve, I'd love to get your perspective on what you see this year is going to be about and what you think is important. Yeah, I think the announcement that –
4: excuse me, that that case is going to be taken up by the Supreme Court is uh, going to have a big impact on, on what happens throughout the country in 2020. Um, and, you know, and one thing, I don't want to undersell the importance of, of you know, the legislation regarding the PBMs and um, everything that's going on. You know, it's fundamental to, to any, any business. We need to be able to, to cover our costs and, you know, pay our bills in order to survive and thrive. Um, but one thing I look forward to is maybe some movement on the provider status front as well. I feel like we're we're making some good progress there, and it'll be great to kind of, you know, get to a point where pharmacists, we can practice at the top of our licenses. You know, we can participate with, uh, you know, here in New York, we can hopefully participate soon with ClearWave testing and point of care testing. You know, we can start to look at CDTM and CMM, and, you know, all the things that pharmacists can really do to to help bend the cost curve and, and truly take care of our patients. Um, it's just we need to remove the PBM, you know, from, the, from being the biggest obstacle to us, to us practicing at the top of our license.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think you bring up a good point with provider status. New um, York's been another place where you've done a great job and, and taken the lead, and we continue to, to watch you uh, with much appreciation. Lauren, I'm curious about what you see this year is going to be about and, and your thoughts.
3: I think that that is amazing with the Supreme Court taking up this case because I think we all see the roadblocks that the PBM lobbyists throw in our legislators faces and in our faces about ERISA. And so I think this could be the battering ram that really helps knock down those walls for us because it really just takes one decision from a higher court to make this accessible for all the states to come on board with this. Because we hear legislators all the time when we're meeting with them saying, you know, they really don't want to take it on because they are nervous about the legal battles that these PBM lobbyists can just bankroll for years and years. And states like Illinois really don't have that much cash to throw at these legal battles. So hopefully this will be the linchpin that allows these battles to continue for pharmacies and able to get some real traction for this. I see Ohio still being a big point and victory winner because of all the effort and momentum that they are gaining there and what they're continuing to do. Every week that the Columbus Dispatch puts out a new article about how there's no forward progress from the Medicaid office, I think, is another bonus for independent pharmacies that they can use to show that the PBMs are not allowing any change to happen unless we make that change.
2: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I and mean, I think I think the precedent that could come out of the Supreme Court's decision, I, I don't think it could be understated how incredibly important and the ramifications of that would be we're excited over here as well. And and there's right now I know a collective cheer going up because it has been a long time coming and the ERISA exemption that keeps showing up, keeps stopping the forward progress, you know, the ability to have that just finally be out of the way and be able to restore equity and some transparency to the prescription drug supply chain is gonna mean everything for the future. So Scott, from a put point of view, uh, you were talking about uh, Virginia and some other things. Uh, what other thoughts do you have about what this year is going to be about?
1: I tell you what, the, the, I'm I'm going to jump on board with the ERISA thing because you know I've been saying for a while now. It makes no logical sense how you know, you know we've we've got documentation in our contracts where the PBMs literally write in the contracts that they are not a fiduciary. They will not be acting as a fiduciary, and. I don't understand how they are able to do so and claim ERISA exemption at every turn. The whole idea of ERISA was to not allow for basically, you know, pilferage of, you know, healthcare care dollars. Um, and that's exactly what's going on there. So, you know, I, I hope that, you know, the attorneys generals and and all the states that have participated in writing the Supreme Court to justify that they do have uh, uh, a legal argument for, uh, for enforcing regulation on the PBMs uh, based on, you know, the, the monetary side of things, you know, is going to be huge for us. It is a game changer. It's one of those things that, you know, they'll no longer be able to hide behind that veil. And we know how good they are at hiding behind veils. I just think that that's, I mean, I'm I'm beside myself reading about this right now as we're we're all talking because we've been waiting for this and and it's a huge win just for them to even entertain uh, addressing it. We all know that they don't pick that many topics. This is a big topic and it's a big topic that's going to, you know, uh, it's going to be front and center with the cost of medications and the expensive prescription, you know, drug debate. It's huge.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Steve, one last question and then we'll wrap up. I'm curious what the, what's next for the fixRx campaign. You've done such groundbreaking work, uh, inspired movements across the country. What do you think will happen next?
4: Yeah. So we're going to sit back and, and, not take a break but sit back and kind of see how the legislative session starts to shape up here in New York yesterday was really um the first day that our, our legislators were, were back to business in Albany so obviously we're, we're disappointed with our bill uh being vetoed in, in 2019 so we've got to um you know work with our, our supporters and, and assess what our, our next steps are so very excited about the the news coming out of the the Supreme Court and uh hopefully that'll play a big role and making things move here in New York uh, a lot easier.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to be excited to see what comes out of the FixRx campaign as well. And, of course, with the other movements that are happening across the country, that's why we are here. That's why Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency was created and chartered so with that i think we will wrap up our first ever episode of the podcast i want to thank you all for uh, taking time to be with us today to talk about what has happened what you think will be happening upcoming there's going to be some good things don't you guys think so
1: i do absolutely yeah good
2: very good all right well to everyone who's listening thank you so much for tuning in today to our episode Look for more episodes of the podcast coming soon on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thanks.
4: To learn more about Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, please check out our website at truthrx.org. Once again, that's
1: truthrx.org.